Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women. Today, coming from Orange County in California, we have Andrea Blint. She is a registered nurse, holistic health practitioner, four times international best-selling author, inspirational speaker, and life and mindset coach who empowers others through her own healing journey. Andrea guides her clients as they navigate health challenges, traumatic life events, and experiences of loss. She supports them in strengthening their body, mind, and heart while redefining possibilities. This allows her clients to reclaim their power, advocate for what is in their best interest, and learn the tools needed to make decisions that are in alignment with their beliefs, regardless of the obstacles they are facing. Andrea believes no diagnosis is too final, past too messy, or future too uncertain to fully live a life you love today, and she reminds her clients that. She has been featured in Authorities Media Magazine, Bustle, She Finds, Men, Healthline, Natural Health Radio, and various publications and podcasts. She lives in California with her husband and four beautiful children. Today, we are talking about finding hope and cultivating gratitude in challenging situations. I am Gemma Serenity, your host, and I'm so happy to welcome you, Andrea. Thank you for being here. Yes, thank you so much for having the safe space for us to connect. Oh, yes, that is, um, that is a jewel of my mission. And this is why I do it. When we have a safe space, we are allowed to open up, we are allowed to be vulnerable, and this is where we inspire. Yes. This is Absolutely. where we come real, and there is no judgment. That's beautiful. Thank you. All right, Andrea, so that our audience feels that they know you, can you please tell us like a five, seven, ten minutes, something like that, the story of your life with the ups and downs, the beautiful, the messy and the ugly, so that, yeah, people know what to relate to regarding your obstacles and how you thrive today. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for Thank starting you. with that. So... I think all of us understand that none of us are immune to challenges in life. We all will experience something that is hard or traumatic in our lifetime. And connection is really what helps us get through those dark moments. And for me, I would say a majority of my life was consumed by dark moments. And so finding that light on the other side was something I never imagined possible for myself. And I am in the light now. I love my life. I've created a world that I didn't know was possible today. And I, I just, I hope that for everybody listening to this. So for me, uh, my, my traumatic journey started when I was born. I was born into a home where I was not wanted. I was a surprise pregnancy. And my, my biological father was very abusive and he said that he would accept the pregnancy as long as I was a boy. I ended up being a girl. So that made it very dangerous for me to stay in the house. And so my mom ended up leaving that relationship in order to 
protect us. But in that running away, she became a monster herself because she was constantly full of fear and anxious energy. And that ended up exploding out of her. And I was an easy target for her. And so she ended up becoming abusive herself. And as a child, I believed so many things. I must not be worthy because my parents don't love me. They didn't want me. Now my mom is so unkind to me, very physically, mentally, emotionally abusive. I couldn't understand as a little kid what I had done wrong to have this type of behavior happen to me. So that behavior went on for about 15 years. Then I moved to California where I was adopted. And I really thought that I needed to mold into this, this perfect picture of a girl who just served and didn't need anything and kept my head down, got good grades because I was so worried that my new family would think I was too needy, too much work, and that they would get rid of me also. So I took on this role of performing and providing and not really being a child ever. I went from that into nursing because that was what my heart was calling me to do. I knew that I wanted to be a nurse. I loved people, wanted to just provide that love and peace that I could. And so I went into pediatric oncology nursing. I loved it. I got to work with the most resilient, beautiful, bald-headed kids ever and their amazing parents. And during that journey, I met my husband, my first husband. And being a child from abuse and trauma, I didn't know that I was attracting somebody that was kind, but being kind externally didn't mean they were kind inside or that they had the emotional depth to be in a relationship. For me, it was more, wow, this person loves me and they like me. So this is showing me that I'm worthy, that I'm lovable. So yes, I'm going to get married, even though it didn't feel completely safe inside of my body. I ignored those feelings and those warning signs because I was so hungry for proof of being lovable. So I got married. I knew I wanted to become a mother more than anything in the world. We started um, down our journey of having children. I had fertility challenges. We ended up going through fertility treatments where I experienced multiple miscarriages. We did IVF, where I became pregnant with my first set of twins, Grace and Wyatt. It was a very high-risk pregnancy. And during that pregnancy, I started noticing my husband wasn't around very much. He wasn't with me, wasn't as supportive as I needed. So it was like I was married, but I was all alone again. And um, our twins were born early and they died five days later. And when that happened, it almost reaffirmed that I wasn't worthy, that I wasn't lovable. I couldn't have this joy in life or this peace, this, this gift that so many women can have sometimes without even trying. And I just went into a deeper depression feeling completely hopeless and Eventually, I just, I kept thinking it has to get better. It has to get better. There was this little voice inside my head that pushed me forward through all of that depression. And I found a doctor that was able to help me get pregnant with my second 
pregnancy, which was my daughter, Michaela. It was also a high-risk pregnancy. She was born a little bit early, but just wonderful. And when she was born, I had a lot of hope and excitement, but also a lot of sadness because I could now see everything that I'd missed before with my twins that didn't survive. And so it was navigating a lot of those emotions and feelings. I got pregnant with my next pregnancy, which was my son. That was also a very high-risk pregnancy. And during that pregnancy, I ended up in the hospital for six weeks carrying our son. And during that time, my husband rarely came to visit me. He would bring our daughter sometimes. But really during that time, I'd, I'd found out that He'd done things during our relationship that weren't really aligned with my values or what I I knew I was worthy of. And I started asking myself, is this something that I would accept for my daughter in a relationship? Is this something I would be okay with her receiving? And is this something I would be proud of my son for doing? And the answers were no, heck no, absolutely not. And so then I thought, well, I don't want them to grow up believing these are acceptable choices to make. And so I asked for a divorce, which was so scary at the time because I was alone with a not yet two-year-old and a newborn baby, but it was the best decision I'd ever made in my life. And when I did, it was like a weight had lifted off of my shoulders and I could see the light. I started focusing on affirmations and things to be grateful for. I started looking at my ex-husband and, and sending love to him and prayers for him to be the best man that he could be not for me, but for himself and the world and for the children that we, we created together. And in doing that, my heart softened and I could see so much love and light pouring out of me that that light attracted my now husband to me. And when I met him, I resisted him. He was so kind, very kind, very thoughtful, selfless. And again, I thought, this is weird. I'm not, why would he like me? What, what do I bring that he would want me? What's wrong with him for choosing me? Because I was so broken inside. And I thought, okay, every, every choice I've made has ended up in a lot of pain and suffering. What if I make a decision that doesn't feel right right now because it's weird or it's different? What would happen? And I thought, okay, well, I'm willing to try it. I'm willing to date someone nice to see why being nice is weird because it was only weird because I wasn't used to that. And so that's what I did. I, I started dating him and he was authentically a good human who was just kind and did kind things. And in that relationship, he created such a safe space for me to receive unconditional love. And I resisted it for a very long time, again, because I didn't believe I was worthy of it. I didn't understand that, but he continued to show up steadfast. And his words matched his actions. And because of that, I was able to heal those very fractured parts of me that were preventing me from really living this life of love and joy and gratitude. And 
I, after I'd had my son, I was told that I couldn't have any more children. But in this safe space that my husband had created, we found out that we were pregnant with twins naturally. And so not only were we over the moon excited with this natural twin pregnancy, but we were also very afraid because my first pregnancy was twins and they didn't survive. So it was very scary. But again, it, it really showed me his character and it taught me who I was and that I was worth fighting for and I was strong and I could overcome this traumatic experience again, hoping that these twins would survive. And they did survive. They were born early also. They lived in the hospital for 106 long days before coming home. And that again was very traumatic. They came home with IV poles and tubes and wires, medical challenges. So we had four kids, three years old and under in our house, two with medical challenges. And it was just very full, a very full life, but we navigated it together, never lost hope. And during that time, we just really bonded together. And I thought, okay, life's getting better. I can do this. Well, then another really big tragedy hit. And while my son was visiting his dad for a routine custody visit, he had fallen into his pool and was found dead. And so I received the call July 3rd, actually, five years ago. And I just fell to my knees when I got the phone call that he'd been found and that he was in the hospital because we didn't know if he would survive. We didn't know the long-term outcome for him. And I remember thinking in that moment, I was so mad because drowning is a very preventable accident. And I drove to the hospital and I thought, please give me gratitude for anything right now. Because if I go in there mad at this man, because I want to punch him in the chest and yell at him, that's not going to bring healing to the space. It's going to bring anger and an energy that I don't want here. That is not me. And so I walked in and I focused on my son's heart is beating right now. I don't know if he's going to keep beating and be strong and stay alive or if it's only beating until I get to see him. But right now I'm grateful that his heart is beating and that I get to be here with him and grateful that he was found when he was and that he was pulled out of the pool and that CPR was started. And I just kept looking for little things to be grateful for and holding on to those. During that time, our son was in the hospital for some time recovering. He ended up coming home and he is seven years old. He's doing amazing. He has some challenges with his brain, um, some areas where he didn't get enough oxygen during the drowning and it shows today. And it's, we navigate that together as a family. But again, it's that gratitude in those really hard moments of, I'm so grateful he's here. How can I help him through this? And how can I support our family in moving forward with these challenges? So after that happened, I really hit rock bottom again because I realized I didn't have any control in life. I couldn't protect my children when they weren't with me. And even when they were with me, I was so anxious that something would happen that I wasn't living a great life. It was 
don't do this, don't touch that. Oh no, don't breathe weird. You're, is this okay? Are you okay? And that anxiety, it pours into everything. And so my husband told me, he said, please go to therapy. I will support you in therapy. If you need the kids to be there, we'll be playing in the lobby so that you know they're safe while you're getting help because this isn't a good life for you. And so that's what I did. I dug in and I kept going to therapy and I learned how to surrender, not knowing how long my children would live, not knowing how long I would live or anything else, but learning how to enjoy those moments while I'm in them because they're not guaranteed to any of us. And so that really helped me come through that darkness. And I chose to stand up and to become the woman I needed to be in order to teach my children that strength, that resilience, that worthiness of themselves. I knew that I couldn't teach it unless I knew it myself. And so I started to choose me and to love me because I'd never done that before. And when that happened, of course, the world decided to give me another big test because you can't just decide I'm going to be strong and I'm going to choose me and I will always focus on gratitude. No, you always get the test of choice. When something hard happens, if you have this decision that you're going to focus on gratitude, you can either still decide to have that focus or you can revert back to the easier path, which is what you've always known, which is just collapse under the floor. So my youngest son, our twin boy, was diagnosed about a year later with a uncurable disorder. And at the time when he was given that disorder, doctors told us there's no cure for this. Most patients just get admitted to the hospital and they fade away. And I thought for 30 seconds, oh my gosh, here we go again. Another one of my kids is going to die. My life is never going to be joy. It's always hard. Something bad always has to happen. And then it was like a switch in my mind. And I said, nope, that is not me. That is not my story. That is not my son's story. And I said, thank you so much for your time to the doctor, but that is not going to happen to my son. I'm going to find a way for him to live and for him to thrive. And I came home. He's six years old now. He's thriving in life. He has the biggest heart. He's happy. He's very strong. And doctors see him, this boy that they said to just let die. And they look at him and ask, well, what do you think happened? What do you think changed? But it was everything changed. We changed our mind. And instead of deciding that he was going to die and letting it happen, we told him that he was going to live and that he was going to thrive. And in that space, he continued to create life for himself. And that's what we all do every day. And so no matter how dark life feels right now, how hopeless it feels, how empty, I want you all to know that anything is possible. And if you can just imagine, imagine it can be as small as a mustard seed, this little dream and you imagine a life that's different for yourself, and you keep imagining that life will grow bigger and bigger and bigger until eventually you're in it. Andrea, your story is absolutely moving, 
touching real raw and my gratitude is beyond the word that you are able to convey it today thank you it's thank you for sharing for inspiring for healing yourself and others who are listening to you because sharing your story means healing means showing the way you are a mentor because you walked the talk and the experience of life and death and love and gratitude before others wow Usually I ask my guests, what is the click? But I think you shared a lot of those clicks and it's, your click is really a choice. You, when the, when the bad thoughts, when the depression, when the, the terrifying face of death happens and appears, or potential death because I'm in drowning. I, I thought at first when you started the story of your boy who was drowning, like he was actually dead and found dead. That was he what was. I did understand at first. Yes, he was found dead. So when he was found in the pool, he did not have a heartbeat. He was dead and he was pulled out and CPR was started on him. And during CPR, his heart started again. And so it was unknown because with drowning victims, your heart can start again, but you could be brain dead. And, and, and maybe at that point, doctors encourage you to withdraw treatment. We just didn't know. So when we got to the hospital, I thought, I'm grateful that his heart is beating because at least life is there. And actually he's living and thriving and beautiful and amazing and yeah with some challenges but nothing compared to losing life yes nothing it's an absolute gift it is it is and by having this outlook by having accepted to go to therapy when you were at your your lowest and this is also what i love so much with your current husband with your loving husband he's not telling you oh you're so bad you really have to get therapy he tells you I'm going to support you that you get therapy because it's no fun to be in your shoes right now. Yes. It's, it's the most loving way to send your loved one to therapy. Like with compassion, with, you know, I am not equipped to help you navigate that. You have to get professional help. Really someone who can help you navigate through your emotions and what's going on and your thoughts and your anxiety and everything. Yes. It was such a gift because he didn't make me feel broken. Exactly. He helped me feel seen. And he would always tell me, I don't understand what you're going through because he didn't. There was no way he could comprehend the agony of a mom who had lost children before and was now going through this loss. He could understand the pain of it as a stepdad. But he hadn't, he, he would always tell me, I haven't experienced everything you have to this point. 
So I have the capacity to, to navigate this challenge for you. It's almost like a roadblock and it stops you. And how can I support you? Who do you need me to reach out to for you? Do you want me to drive you to therapy? Do you want to do therapy on the phone? And I'll take the kids to the park. That way you don't, you don't have to worry about noises and you can focus fully. It was a complete partnership and a love bubble where I was safe to express those feelings. And he knew that when I was very angry or when I would have a breakdown, it wasn't about him. It was about the situation that I was going through. And he was able to separate those two things in a way that allowed me to fully submerge myself in that healing. Isn't that amazing? I, I wish that to everyone in the world because that, but, but so you also mentioned in your story that when you met him, you were so resisting to love, to care, to, to attentiveness, to kindness, to generosity and all of that yeah. because it was just too much goodness in only one human being. It was like, okay, but there is something fishy because of the use of the trauma. Yes, absolutely. And that was tough for our relationship also because he was raised with an, an older mindset. So he opens the car door still to this day. He opens my car door before he opens his car door. He carries my bags. He carries my purse. When I first met him, I was so used to being alone and for doing everything by myself that I it was very uncomfortable for me. And I clung to my purse because I thought, oh no, all of my belongings are in this purse. What if he takes it? That was my mind. But eventually I said, oh, you know, I'm not comfortable with you holding my purse. And he said, well, that's okay. It just looks heavy. And I'd, I, I'd love to help you carry that purse and put it in the car for you. And I said, well, I'm not used to that. And he almost stopped. And I said, please don't stop something kind because I'm not used to it. It just means that I need to get used to it. Like eating salt on food. If you've never had salt on food before, you might not love it the first time. But if you add a little bit of salt, every time you eat, you might become used to that flavor and enjoy it. And just like that, I, got, I became accustomed to his kindness his opening the car door, his taking my bags for me. And now I enjoy it. And I actually, I wait for it. I stand there and I know he's coming and it's such a gift. So I encourage you to continue doing those things that you might not be used to, but that have the potential to really bring love and joy to your heart and light your soul on fire because you're so worthy and deserving and and sometimes what feels too good to be true is just really good. And it's true. And you're worthy of that goodness and truth. It's so beautiful that you bring that up because I was so very surprised to see the chivalry of my current third dream and last husband, the, the one I keep forever. Oh. My blessing. Mm. Because he, he also has all these manners all this respect and for him it's he, he's just like slightly 
uh, getting up of his chair if I get up because it's a sign of respect. Mm -hmm. Just like, okay, up and down because it's a sign of respect. And it's like, I didn't know that. I didn't know why he was doing that. I just thought, ah, so you, you wanted to get up as well? Okay, so maybe you go and, and then I go. I didn't know how to react because I, I was not brought up that way. I didn't know all of that. And he was brought up that way. He was educated with those manners, with this etiquette, with this beauty, the high society and things like that. And I really, at the beginning, I was really like almost uncomfortable because I didn't know what to do. And then you realize that it's a dance. Yeah. it's a dance okay you wait he opens the door you sit down he makes sure that everything is inside the door he closes the door just make sure that everything is all right then you stay there and it's a it's a it's a nice agreeable kind dance yeah. that indeed strengthens the bond strengthens the mutual respect the mutual appreciation the beauty the love and it's yeah. like, it's beautiful. And it's so much lost in today's society. And some people have it. I met maybe another one who had, maybe two other one who had those manners. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, if we can bring that back, yeah. we can bring like such a beautiful relationship back. Absolutely. And I think such an important thing in that is the communication in it because my husband might've stopped doing those things because he saw that I didn't like them or I was uncomfortable in them. And I would have robbed him of all of those blessings that he knew how to give. And I also would have robbed myself of receiving all of those treats, those daily treats and reminders of I am worthy and someone, someone's looking out for me, someone cares for me. And now my children get to watch that. So they grow up learning it, but also anticipating that in their own life. So if someone doesn't do that for them, they then start thinking, hmm, well, my daddy always opened the door for my mommy. That, like, maybe, maybe I should be more open to why, why isn't the door being opened? And how do I feel with this? Am I okay with it not being opened? Maybe, maybe not. Is there anything else that I'm not okay with? And just getting curious in those relationships. It's beautiful. So it's interesting because navigating these traumatic situations that you did from day one indeed, um, you managed to find hope, to cultivate gratitude, to open your heart to love, to chivalry, from a gentleman, a gentle and kind man, I would say, and to being loved unconditionally the way you did not love yourself until you opened up to love. And I know that self-love is a big, big topic. It goes hand in hand with gratitude. And, and I also commend you for your first gigantic decision to think about your children. Okay, so do I want them to grow up with that as an example from their own dad? 
The answer is no. Okay, so I have to do something about that. Okay, so I fight for divorce. I know I have a newborn. I don't care. I do care actually for his well-being. So it has really been for you a, a life of choice and you chose to love and to care and to be open to more blessings and to finding hope and all of that. And I really, really, really thank you for that. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. It's worth so much. You are worth so much because you did accept your worth. Yes. That's beautiful. All right. Let's go through a little game. A, yes. a blitz three questions that are very interesting because I bet nobody is going to guess your answers unless you give them. All right? Okay. Okay. Three questions. Money, love, and time. What is your biggest struggle when it comes to money? Biggest trigger? Uh, struggle. Oh, struggle. Ooh. Uh, my biggest struggle is to save it for myself. I love to bless others. And so I, wherever my heart gets pulled, I will make a donation or I will buy something. I would say that's probably my biggest struggle is to invest it. Okay. So savings and investment is super hard, but giving is the easiest. Yes. All right. What is your biggest struggle when it comes to love and relationships? My biggest struggle. I would say my biggest struggle with love and relationships is, is reminding myself that there's enough time for all of them. And for that deep saturation of love within it. So now if I ask you the same question with time, it's going to link to the previous one. <laughs> so what is, is your exactly? So what is your biggest struggle when it comes to time? Biggest struggle with time is that there's not enough of it. Even though I live in the mindset of there's enough time for everything that is important to me, sometimes it feels like I'd like a little bit more, especially in those sweet moments of love or relationship. Time moves so quickly and it's such a gift. It is. It is. All right, Andrea, thank you so much for blessing us with your presence today blessing us with your stories your inspirational story you really you absolutely you earned all all your titles that i read in your bio everything i, I am a testimonial <laughs> i can confirm <laughs> thank you and i'm and beyond grateful to have had you today thank you it's been a pleasure to be here and i just i want everyone to know that they're so loved and that they're not alone and that we're with them. Mm, beautiful, it's true. Totally bye. All right, thank you very much. And I look forward to talking with you again. Thank you, Andrea.
Thank you.